When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain and Chad Cruz here with you. And Chad, do you know what episode number we are on? Uh, I do know. Uh, I bet you, you do. Because you wrote it down and I'm reading it currently, but I'd like to hear you say it. Well, I thought you would have something special to say because this is episode 69 Giggity. of the Bulletproof Podcast. And we probably should have been doing some kind of Andy Sedaris movie or like an RTG. Yeah, this yeah. feels like an RTG episode. Yeah, number. It, we really should have. But that just is not happening, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, we've got a, a suitable replacement. Yes, I would say uh, more than suitable. But before we get into this episode let's talk about something we missed talking about last time bad mm-hmm. sad news ray liotta passed away suddenly and, and surprisingly i mean the man was definitely not uh that old um but uh you know we talked about him not too long ago here on the bulletproof podcast with the no escape which was a was a first time watch for me and i'm was extra glad that uh you kind of showed me the way with that movie yeah, that was a movie that I kind of grew up on uh, with my my older brother and myself watching it all the time, and and it's always fun when you have a film that doesn't get a lot of notoriety and you can kind of spread it amongst your friends. So that was a fun one, and and we recorded that podcast, and uh, and truth be told, I've been working on a, a YouTube video for that one for quite some time, and I wish I had been able to release it before he had passed right. away, and then right after he passed away, it just kind of felt weird to release yeah. it. So like you're I, taking kind of, advantage. Yeah. yeah. So I've just kind of been holding on to it for a minute. And, uh, but it, you know, re-listening to that podcast, I think that, uh, that we, we did have some wonderful things to say about Ray Liotta and, and he was certainly a star, uh, and had some incredible movies and, and, you know, he's still been doing it. Like he, he's probably still got more. Yeah, he was, he was on, sure. uh, on location when he passed away yeah, working on so. a movie. So. And he, you know, he's adapted over the years too. You know, he, he had a couple of action films like No Escape, but he, you know, of course everybody remembers him from, from Goodfellas and stuff like that, but, but he's adapted well to kind of that, uh, you know, he plays like the older detective or the cop and, and all these films. And, and as he's gotten older, he, I feel like he's moved into different, uh, side roles instead of the leading character in all these films that he used to do. Yeah, he he kind of added his gravitas to to many a film uh because he is that elder statesman in, yeah. in Hollywood or at least he was and again we've 
sadly lost him. Uh, you know, another big loss. We lost Fred Ward earlier this year, and now Ray Liotta. And it's always tough when when these people you grew up watching uh, are no longer with us. So I just um, assume all the people I love from childhood are dead. And then if I, I mean, see I love, them, I'm like, oh wow, there's there's still dead. Right, a ton of. I mean, yeah, my my house. I often have said this. And when, when the Fred Ward thing, it was like just one more. It's like, I have a lot of dead people on my walls um, <laughs> between the movies and, that I like. And, and in and your walls. Wrestling. Possibly. I don't know what happened before I moved here. Um, uh-huh, so, yeah, exactly. we've got. Uh, okay. So anyway, yeah. So Ray Liotta, definitely our condolences to his friends and his family and his fans. And, you know, who will obviously live on. And, and shortly after we had done the No Escape podcast i'm not going to take credit for this happening but mm-hmm. they announced that it's finally going to get a blu-ray release uh later yeah. this year october 11th to be exact so that uh that'd be an interesting one to pick up if you uh if you're a big fan and it was nice you know that i guess was one one of the things is people were uh you know the the tragedy of him dying kind of got people like oh yeah i remember no escape and you know yeah. people were talking about it and, and talk, engaged uh with us on on our social media about how awesome the movie is and it really was and again i'm thankful to you if you did one good thing for me this year it was yep. uh, getting me to watch no escape well don't expect any more but you know I with that don't. with that movie that could be a cool uh release too because if there's some good uh, special features Extras. yeah i all the extras. I mean, just because that movie has kind of flown under the radar for so long, that could be a really fun one. So I'll be looking on the lookout for that one. And uh, we're going to have a little Ray Liotta content because I know Toy Man had been thinking about covering Turbulence for quite some time. And uh, that kind of prompted him to be like, hey, you know, this is probably I should do that. I've been putting it a- off too long. Kind of like your YouTube video. He's been thinking about yeah. it, thinking about it. Now right. Really it, so. And you know what? Uh, turbulence, like there's so many films released in about a five year span uh, of these, you know, plain action thriller right. films. It became really a really hot topic there for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. Keep your eyes peeled at bulletproofaction.com for that one in No Surrender Cinema. Um, and again, check out uh, you could check out our No Escape episode of the Bulletproof Podcast in the archives and that Blu-ray of No Escape coming out October 11th. So you still got some time for that one, but yes. something that is right upon us. It's coming we up. talked about this a couple shows ago. This Thursday and this Saturday, G.I. Joe the movie, 35th anniversary celebration in theaters. It wasn't in theaters to begin with. It's in there now, though, Chad, and I'm excited. Yeah, um, I am excited for the for the two day release. I honestly was thinking it was t- the twenty third through the twenty fifth. So now I'm a little bit depressed because mm. uh, because of my work schedule yeah. and little league baseball tournament schedule. I don't mm-hmm. think I'm going to be able to see it in theaters. But that's a shame. Um, yeah, I mean, super. Ex- you think about like you know you and I growing up with GI Joe, and then you caught the tail end of kind of when this movie was released. Uh, with your fandom and I was, you know, right in the peak of my fandom with GI Joe and uh, just such a massive uh, footprint in our life, you know, as a kid and uh, being able to share that with my, with my son is just something special. Yeah. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, dads out there doing that, you know, I hope so. Father's day week, I guess we could say, and then they'll get that, that quality time because it's a, you know, 
you could say what you want. We we said a lot about it. It's another one we covered. Check it out in the archives. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's uh, GI Joe is something special. Okay, so yeah, I'm gonna put you quickly on the spot here. Well, of course. Uh, we just had Father's Day just recently. Correct. And uh, who who's your favorite action film father hero? Uh, not a difficult. We we just talked about this not too long ago. I got to go with Colonel Ted Masters. Okay. He had to be one hell of a dad. Okay. For his son to risk life and limb, steal a jet plane. There you go. And fly all the way to the Middle East. I mean, you have to be. You know, that's one of those situations where you'd be like, hmm, you know what, Dad? You're kind of an asshole to me a couple you gotta times. And, uh, walk it off. <laughs> I don't know if I really, you know, well, maybe nature's just taking its course here. <laughs> I'm an 18 year old. I don't, you know, you did a good job, but you're kind of mean to me. He'd rather go to the mall than save his dad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most freaking 18 year olds would be like, well, what am I going to do? And they would just went on with their day. And you can't blame them. I mean, who takes a special kind of person like a, a Doug Masters to, right. to have the balls to go do that. But uh, again, the apple don't fall far from the tree, as they say. So if Doug is so awesome, then I got to assume Ted Masters was awesome. Okay, that's a quality And pick. I like Tim Thomerson. Uh, you know, he's Who doesn't? A, yeah. He's, he's what a, a fun name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that would be my pick. How about you, Chad? Uh, you know, I'm going to kind of go easy and say John Matrix from yeah. Commando. I mean, he loves his daughter and he'll do anything to get her back, including murder half of a country. Right. Uh, again, going to extremes shoot, proves yes. your love. That shows uh, yeah. how much you care. Yes. Right. I mean, and I know Lincoln Hawk might be, I really can't put him in the discussion though, because he <laughs> abandoned his family and yeah, that, whoa, was never made, that was never made clear as to why. He, yeah. uh, uh, I went because of reasons. Yeah. Uh, that that's not tough. an answer, dad. Uh, well, reasons okay it seemed like he was run out by the by Ray, father-in-law, by, uh, by yeah. The father-in-law. Yeah. it seemed like that was a big part of it i'm sure it was but it wasn't really spelled out but yeah i i have no no hatred for lincoln hawk and that I, story ends in a in a wonderful way right so. and you have to think that if there were a sequel he would be a super dad in the sequel oh yeah because oh, yeah. he's he's really picked it up you know uh and ran with it there at, you know by the end of over the top oh yeah and that's a wonderful that that would have been a perfect movie to watch on Father's Day. It sure would. I, I kind of right regret now. that I didn't I'm watch. Stopping it. this recording and going to watch it. Okay, well you would also have to get in a time machine because it's oh. past. Put it on your calendar for next year. Oh, okay, got it. All right, but uh, you know, that's a great great question there, Chad. Yeah, and you know what? Did you must have saw it on our. Uh, Instagram because I put it on there on Facebook. Oh, did you? I don't. Yeah. I don't <laughs> so follow or you, you. did it. So you there you go. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. But if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at Bulletproof Action, <laughs> of course. But yeah, thank you, Chad. I, I did put that. I've had uh, John Matrix and Lincoln Hawk. On okay. I didn't put Ted Super. Masters in the picture gallery because I was just being lazy. Gotcha. And there wasn't really one of him because that was the thing. You had the they were holding their their young child. Oh yeah, that's a tough where one. Ted Masters was not holding. Doug, because he was older. Got Makes it. Sense. Thank you. I'm following. I tried. There's logic behind most of what I do for this site and this show. Usually. Well, you are the brain, my friend. I, you know, I try to live up to that. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we talked about the 35th anniversary of GI Joe. Well, we're going to talk about a movie that celebrated its 35th anniversary last year. When we return, right after this. 
We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, we are back here on the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz. And Chad, we are talking about a movie that was released on July 2nd, 1986. A John Carpenter classic. Another team-up with Kurt Russell. Those two were magic together. They were. And there's a lot of magic in this one. Big trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Carpenter kind of, you know, started out his career with just uh, smash hit after smash hit as far as, you know, fandom goes. Maybe not, you know, box office. But, but you know, when you think about Halloween and you think about Big Trouble in Little China and The Thing and, and all these films that are just Escape so... Escape from New York. Escape from New York. Just so loved by 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 the fans, by action fans, by horror fans. Um, and, and just the, the fingerprint... Uh, that John Carpenter has on his films when it comes to, uh, of course the direction, but the, the music and the score, and he just does so much. And, and, uh, and this movie, it feels so much like a John Carpenter movie that it, it's hard to look past it. And I did have rewatching this. I did have to wonder if ghostbusters and the success that that had helped mm-hmm. get this movie made. I could certainly see that. Um, I know that the, uh, originally this film uh, was written to be a Western. Um, and, okay. and John Carpenter had made the decision to put it in the present. And, you know, they, they went from having Jack Burton be a cowboy who loses his horse to him being a truck driver who loses his truck. Um, so I, I think it works better in the present, yes. especially for 1986. And like you said, Ghostbusters, and you've got Back to the Future, and you've got all these movies that kind of have like these wild ideas. They're, it's not, I mean, story, you think about some of the films that came out in the mid 80s, like they weren't your kind of simple storylines. There's a lot going on here with sorcery and yeah. you've got Kung Fu, you've got all these things that it's, you can't really nail this film down to one genre or another. It's just so many things wrapped up into one. And I think even last our last episode, Predator, that's one of the reasons that does so well with everyone yeah. because there's bits of horror, there's sci-fi, there's action, there's right. a, there's something for everyone. Uh, we said the same about RoboCop when we covered that right. last year. You know, there's those movies, and that is why some of them hit this stat, this cult status, even if they didn't necessarily perform well originally. They just they reach so many fandoms and touch yeah. so many fandoms that it's it's almost impossible uh, once it gets out there. Just to stop it. And uh, this one was an unstoppable film. I mean, from start to finish, this thing is just entertaining as all get Mm -hmm. out. And we start off with Egg Shane, Victor Wong. He's a tour bus driver meeting with his attorney. And the attorney is like, this is obviously after all the events that are about to happen. And he's like, how am I supposed to believe any of this? Mm -hmm. And uh, well, we're all going to become believers here. And then here came perhaps a scene or moment in the movie that I felt you and I could relate to the most. Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express on his CB, just talking 
<laughs> and no concept that maybe anyone's listening. And I'm like, <laughs> that's how I feel every time yes. we record one of these shows. Right. It's We're just talking. Like... Maybe someone out there is listening, but maybe not. It's all, it's almost that ignorance is bliss. I don't, I don't want to know if there's, if there's no listens, I just want to assume that there are and hope that, uh, you know, some of these terrible jokes land on somebody, somebody, anybody, just someone right. please giggle a little bit. That's all right. I ask. Right. Which is why I'm very shocked. You didn't have any of our highbrow humor lined up for episode 69. Well, I didn't notice it was episode 69 until you mentioned it. And, okay. But now that I know, I mean, th- clearly this film could easily be a sexual innuendo. Yeah. Big your reflexes little... are off and it's all in the reflexes. It's right. Big in trouble in little China. That seems like you could easily turn yeah. that into some sort of, uh, you know, Asian porn or something. Okay. <laughs> I would be shocked if there was not some sort of <laughs> some giant dong big dildo in little yep. China or something. Oh yeah. Back in 1986. If, yeah. if there wasn't shame on you, porn industry, you yeah, bastards. Get, yeah. Get your game up. <laughs> exactly. Get it, get it up. That's what they're supposed to be doing. All right. <laughs> so Jack rolls into Chinatown, um, finds himself just having a good old time doing some gambling with his friend, Wang Chi, Dennis Dunn. Uh, who coins the phrase? I've never heard it anywhere but in Big Trouble in Little China. Nothing or double. I like it. Yeah. Nothing or double. And Wang thinks he could cut a bottle in half, which is just that's insanity. It that is. Can't, that can't be done. I mean, the difficulty level is very high, especially after you've been drinking out of those bottles all night long, and mm-hmm. and you're in, you know, you're stressed out. You've been gambling, drinking all night. Uh, cause it kind of like picks up the next morning and the, and he's lost all this money. And I, I don't know, man, it seems like a, it was a risky move to try that. And of course it failed. So it did. And it kind of a risky move also getting drunk and game, but I guess maybe he felt this was his last night of freedom because right. he has to go to the airport to pick up the woman he will marry. Right. It's bad planning. Let's put it that way. You know, I, if I'm going to the airport in the morning, what am I doing? I'm going to bed early, make sure that bag's packed. <laughs> What's he doing? He's drinking and gambling all night long. And of course, going to the airport was different in 1986 than it is now, but still. Yeah. A touch. You yeah. want to be, you want to be responsible. Right. Um, so yeah, he, he wants to pick up his, his future wife with green eyes, by the way. Yes. Malian. Um, so they get to the, so Jack's like, okay, you're just trying to get out of paying me the money you owe me. Yeah. The double, because right now all I got is the nothing. Uh, so he offers to, uh, or basically demands that I will take you to the airport and mm-hmm. make sure you're not also just trying to skip town on me. And imagine, imagine, you know, we talk about how much different the airport is nowadays. How much different is it driving that truck around a city when, you know, diesel fuel is $45 a gallon, right? <laughs> Right. That's like a $70 trip to the airport. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, yeah, not cheap. Not cheap at all. So they get there, uh, you know, and obviously airports have a lot of people in them, especially in a major metropolitan area like San Francisco. So yes. Jack spots Gracie Law. Is that, you think, her real name? Uh, is that just kind of the name she gets in the neighborhood because she's a lawyer? I. That's how I felt was like her name's Gracie, but Gracie Law was like, her law with, firm's okay. name. Okay. Like yeah. Or or was she just born that way? You know, because Erwin R. Scheister was born yes. and happened to get a job later in life with the Internal Revenue Service. So yeah. it does happen 
that sometimes you're just, it's just everything works out. Sometimes you're just fated to, to go down that path. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of took it that that's what they just called her. But either way, we, we see her at a distance and of course she, you know, she, uh, she catches Jack's eye because he's kind of a, you know, he's kind of a hound dog a little bit. Oh yeah. And, uh, and while uh, Wang is waiting for his girl, Jack spots her and he goes over and tries to spout a few pickup lines yeah. And uh, yeah, they just don't land. And you could tell that she's not only not kind of the nitwit that you think she is or, you know, like the dumb blonde or whatever, but she's got some, uh, she got some good comebacks too. And she uses them throughout the whole film. Yeah. And, and she's also there for a specific reason, not, not looking to be picked up by some truck driver. No. She's there to pick up someone as well. Yes. Uh, but during the whole little Jack and Gracie situation some some of the chinatown punks come storming through and just uh that kind of gets you kind of see where jack is the type of guy jack is he right. ain't gonna let anything slide oh yeah and and can we mention the names of these punks do you remember what it was i don't i'm pretty sure they were the lords of death that, you know what they are the lords of death which you was are pretty correct. badass and yeah i will uh a quick quick little uh stoppage here in in the podcast i will say that i had a I was on a bowling team years ago, right? Me and some uh, some buddies from work playing on the bowling team, drank a lot of beer. We were the Lords of Thunder. Oh. And anytime anyone asked what our name meant, we would tell them that we were in a death metal band. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could see uh, that. But we did win the league, FYI, just so oh, you know. Well, there you go. Yeah. So. Fantastic. All right, so... Gracie's there to pick up Tara, but the guy grabs Tara. Jack really gets involved now. Now he gets involved there. He steps in. But while that's going on, while there's a commotion over there, Mao Yin is kidnapped. Oh, boy. And that sends Jack and Wang in chase mode. And they end up in the most dangerous place in all of action movies, the parking garage. Parking garages and small town bars are some of the most dangerous places that you can go. And and we see that. You know, they, they chase the Lords of Death into the parking garage. Uh, you know, they, they, they see uh, Gracie Law and her, her little friend hiding behind a car. She points him in the, in the direction that they went. Next thing you know, they're blazing down the road in their car, nearly killing them both. Um, but you can tell at this moment, Jack's all in, right? He's, he's yeah. fully on board. Like he got kind of embarrassed in the airport when they knocked him down. They took Wang's girl and now he's almost been run over. So they immediately jump in his semi truck and, and take off for this, you know, this sports car that they'll never catch. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they're just trying to also, they know these, who these guys are. So they know where yeah. their hideout is. So they're heading back to Chinatown and they almost go uh, head on collision with old egg Shen and his tour bus. Uh, which then kind of diverts them from their original path, and they they end up in an alley, and this is where the magic and the sorcery and the the strangeness starts coming in because mm -hmm. we have a funeral procession going on, but then be that's in front of them, so they can't go forward. But then all of a sudden, more and more of these bad guys start popping up. And oh yeah, and so many familiar faces are popping up. All over the screen, I would you just go crazy. You got James Liu, you got Gerald Okamura, you got Ali Yong, Eric Lee, George Chung. These guys are now in the middle of a gang war, Chad Cruz. Oh yeah, and it's a it's an awesome battle too. You know, because you got the like you said, the funeral procession is in front of them, 
So you've got guys in, in white and yellow turbans on one side, and then the villains, the heels, are are behind the semi-truck. You know, <laughs> Gerald Okamura's got like double six-shooters, like golden six-shooters, and they all kind of have their own little gimmicks going. Ali Long is just badass. He's got like a butcher knife. Yeah, yeah. Samoan drops James Lou in a window. I mean, dude, who gets who Simone drops another person through a window? <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So yeah, we get an excellent fight scene. Are you watch? Two. Did you watch that Roman Reigns do that to Brock Lesnar at the last yeah, man dude. standing? Match. You want to be head of the table? You got to do that shit. Um, but yeah, James Lou is on the opposite side, so it's even cooler that we got like you know top guys, if you will, yeah. on both sides of the aisle. And uh, yeah, but the, but all the action stops at some point. Because we have uh, the entrance of of a new crew, um, and I think oh yeah, just refers to them as the three storms. The three storms, yeah. You thought the the gangs were badass. Wait till you see these guys. First thing we get is Thunder, mm-hmm. played by Carter Wong, who was in a ton of Hong Kong movies. He feels uh, very Bolo Young esque. He very much does. He was in yeah. a, I believe it was Mission for the Dragon, where he had like a sensitivity to light so dragon lee wore a vest with mirrors on it awesome awesome <laughs> and I, final I, fight i believe he trained with the hong kong police at one point yeah he was in the he was in the hong kong police there you at go. One time uh then we get rain played by peter kwong who was in uh, a bunch of things as well uh never too young to die is the one i always remember uh with uh, john stamos and vanity and don't mm. forget gene simmons with tits Okay, I've already forgotten that. <laughs> and then we get lightning. Mr. James Pax, a Cannon alumni. He touched Charles Bronson's daughter inappropriately on a bus in Kinchite. Oh, and now he's dead. And he was also like one of the terrorists in Invasion USA. He played okay. like, he disguised himself as a cop, but he was not oh, a okay. real cop. I, I that remember scene? that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that that's, scene. That's old James Pax right there. How about so, that? They all come from the heavens, and it's like, oh, crap. Now we got some problem. But then the most powerful of them all, freaking Low Pan, James Hong. Oh, my god! And gosh. Jack drives right through him, and this blows Jack's mind. I mean, he's already seen some freaky shit, but now he's driven through a man. So many wildly awesome actors in this film. You know, you talk about, like, you know, there's not enough, uh, you know, Asian dudes, you know, in films nowadays. Has anyone seen Big Trouble in Little China? Because they're all in this one and they're all fantastic. You know yeah, I, mean? I think the only movie that even came close to this, that, especially that we've covered, yeah, would be The Perfect Weapon. Perfect Weapon. Oh, yeah. Perfect Weapon. You know, of course, Showdown Little a, Tokyo. That's got a lot of great ones in yeah, it, too. Showdown Little Tokyo would be another one. It's probably one that we should talk about at some point in our lives Certainly, you know, yeah. on, this, on this program. And something else I got to talk about before we move on is The Three Storms. And, and uh, John Carpenter, like I said, he, he's a he's a director. He's like a direct a movie, a film historian, and a guy who just like appreciates and loves film. And uh, The Three Storms, you, you have to say that they come from – Lone Wolf and Cub, Baby Car at the River Sticks. You know, you've got the Monks of Death in that film. You've got three guys that are dressed exactly the same. They've got the big ass fucking hats on and they've all got their own little gimmick weapons. Um, it couldn't be any similar, more similar than they are in, to the Three Storms. So I've got to think that John Carpenter got the idea from Lone Wolf and Cub, the second film in the series. 
Well, I will uh, take your expertise on that because those are movies I've never seen, despite no, you telling me idiot. I need to. Yes. Well, I, I'm, that wouldn't be the first time I've been called an idiot, and maybe rightfully so. So Jack and Wang are now on foot because uh, the, the whole truck thing kind of freaked Jack out, and then he doesn't have the truck for much longer. So right. they go see Wang's uncle, Uncle Chu. Uh, then one of Wang's buddies, Eddie, shows up. He's got news that it is, in fact, the Lords of Death that stole the Pork Chop Express. And now Gracie Law shows up. I mean, this is like a Grand Central Station over at Uncle yeah. Chew's. Yeah, you know, these little small town or these these little neighborhood areas, you've got a, uh, places that you hang out, some places oh. barber shop, some places it's the restaurant, you know what I mean? So the local Chinese restaurant, you've got uh, Eddie the maitre d' and... Uh, of course, everybody knows Dennis Dunn's character and Uncle Chu, so they come there for their news. What What's happened? Where's Miao Yin? Like, oh shit, she got taken. And it, surprisingly, or maybe not surprising to some, everybody's ready to step up and kind of go into action to, to save her. Yeah, and uh, yeah, because again, Jack is all keyed up, and it just gets more and more and more and more and more. So when Wang needs his help, Jack's right there, so... They find out Wang's girl is at the White Tiger Brothel. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> Did you go under the assumed name Harry Swanson? <laughs> I should have. Like uh, Jack Burton did. Yeah. I did not. Yeah. He goes there and he already raises some eyebrows because he wants a very specific type of girl, which is not a rare thing I would under I would have come to understand when you go to the <laughs> what? Places. Was uh but you you know, he wants a girl with green eyes. Yeah. And uh, that's like, so that raises some eyebrows. But before anything could be done about that, the whole freaking building starts shaking. Being yeah. San Francisco, I think everybody would assume, oh, maybe we're just having an earthquake here. But uh, nope, it's the three storms. And they show up and they take Mal Yin. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you're kind of, the, the scene happens so fast, right? You know, you've got Jack there as Harry Swanson. He's he's acting like a, like a, a real geek, um, trying to play the part. And then... He's trying to kind of figure out, you can almost see him thinking in his mind, like, okay, I'm in this position now. Like, now what do I do? How do I find this girl? Because they don't, of course, bring her to him when he asks for a girl with green eyes. Uh, but he doesn't get a chance to make any any other moves because, like you said, the ceiling rips off and there's green light and crazy shit going down. And then all of a sudden the three storms kind of drop in. And, uh, you know, Jack gives it his best. He gives it his best shot. Throws a couple punches. Uh, just didn't, didn't quite land like you'd hoped. All right. So now Wang, the, the situation's changed. Wang wants to go right into Lopan's, uh, yes. which is of course the, the front for Lopan's operation, the Wing Kong trading company. And he wants to go there. Jack is, uh, going to go with him because again, Jack ain't stopping now. He's too, no. they're too far along to turn back. And, and I don't know if this is the only reason I'd like to believe it's not, but, but they still have Jack's truck. That is also true. And a lot of people would, would assume that yeah, yeah, Jack was being a selfish son of a bitch and just want his truck back. Yeah. And if there's one thing we know, Jack loves his truck, you know? Uh, so we, we, we want, you know, maybe, maybe that's his only reason for helping out Wang, but I hope not. No. Yeah. I, I hope not too. And they get inside, pretend to be with the phone company and it does work. They get in, mm -hmm. um, Meanwhile, while that's going on, Egg Shen is kind of kind of doing a little information for, for some of the other characters and for us, really, about Lopan and his whole backstory. 
Yeah, it's important to have a character like this who can come in and, and fill in some details as to how some seven foot tall ghostly dude is <laughs> hanging around. Like, what the hell is going on? Why is he trying to get this green eyed girl? So, yeah, this is helpful to to the people on screen and, and of course, for us watching at home. Yeah, and Jack and Wang are going to find out soon enough what he's all about because they get into, again, they get inside, they get in an elevator, but that elevator starts filling up with water, which is not a normal occurrence when one is in an elevator. They narrowly escape that situation um, and find them, they're just swimming around a bunch of people who weren't as lucky as them, I would say. Yeah, you can tell that the it's not the first time having someone in this area because they find all these uh, these you know, messed up skeletons and shit in there. And uh, one of my favorite things here in this whole kind of sequence is how there's like always a term for something like, you know, hell of the upside down people or whatever. Like he always, Wang always had like some term, like we're going into the seven bridges of hell and there's always something. Uh, well, yeah. Cause he's been hearing term. these stories about uh, Lopan his whole life. Right. And now they're coming to, to life right in front of him, which is, yeah. And he says, he says it himself, you know, it's kind of been like the legend that no one wanted to believe, but it's hard to not believe when you see it yourself. (laughs) Right. Yeah. um, He's definitely a believer and he's getting uh, tortured by rain. Both of them are blindfolded, tied to wheelchairs and they are rolled over to meet with David Lopan, who's also now not his big, impressive sorcerer. He's just a withered old man in a wheelchair himself, which is interesting because he's not really flesh and blood. So I, that part is, yeah. Why did he have to take that form? That's a good question. Maybe that's his only physical form where he can like physically Maybe. touch something. He, you know what I mean? That, that could be. Because he can't, uh, when he's his ghostly dude, it seems like he just kind of goes through shit. Yeah. But there, yeah, he wasn't sitting in a chair, which, yeah, that I, that, I buy that. I'll maybe, buy it. And maybe he's like, you know, they got him, you know, covered in makeup, head to toe, and he's all, you know, postured. He's leaning over and, and he's all screwed up. Like his whole body's in, in, in serious distress. And uh, he, uh, maybe that's him trying to look 2,000 years old. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. So Lopan now fills in Jack and Wang about what his interest in the girl with the dragon green eyes is he needs to marry her to make him whole again. Yeah. There's a couple like, you know, these Eastern demon dudes and Chinese gods or whatever the hell they are. And he's got to appease one by marrying a girl with green eyes. And then he has to appease another one by killing that person. Um, So, you know, at this point, as far as, you know, Wang and Jack are concerned, like, Oh shit. Meow Yin is going to be, not only have to marry this dude, but then she's going to be, he's going to marry her and then kill her. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bad, bad sign. Yeah. So while all this is going on, we kind of meet a new, uh, character, Margo, the reporter, a friend of Gracie law. Um, and she's, he's, she's here because she wants a story on Lopan, which who who could blame her again, if this legend has been going on and and she's kind of got the Chinatown beat, this is the story of stories for her. Um, and, uh, but she's kind of, somebody's kind of got the eyes for her and we're talking about Eddie. Eddie's got the hots for Margot. He does. You know, there's only so many characters in this movie, so we have to have everybody have the hots for another person who's a character. So that makes sense. So, yeah. Um, 
So when uh, when Wang and uh, Jack don't come out in the the given time frame that they were were saying they would be back, those three go in and start raising hell at the at the security desk. That doesn't work out well for them though, because they're all just captured. The ladies are taken yeah. with the with all the other women that are captured in in Low Pants Place, and Eddie is about to join his uh, friend Wang and Jack. And when they bring him in, uh, they use this as the perfect chance to make their escape. And what a mis- what a what a escape from uh, Jack Burton! Oh, dumb luck at its finest. <laughs> and he's he's the master of dumb luck. And you know, I think there's a lot written and talked about since this movie has come out that you know Jack Burton isn't the hero of the, of the movie. And I think that's clear uh, watching it now. You know, by looking at the poster or something, you wouldn't know that. But when you watch the film, you're like, okay. Dennis Dunn, like Wang, is is the true hero of the film, and Jack's kind of a sidekick. Like he he's Chewbacca. Up. He's Chewbacca. He's like a clumsy Chewbacca, though, because there are multiple times where, uh, you know, and we'll talk about him later. But but Jack screws up or does something wrong or trips and falls, and he just like by d- sheer dumb luck, you know, survives. And this is one of those scenes where you know he's he's they they kind of get thunder they kind of capture him and 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 jack jumps on his back with a knife um but there's also you know right before that jack kind of like escapes from his his uh his blindfold and his he was being tied up to this chair so he's not such a loser that he can't do anything but when it comes to it he always seems to screw up he's got he's got some skills um yeah. just maybe not the most polished of heroes yeah sure. we'll say that and he's you know and he, he's got an ego on him too which makes it fun because he's he's got great one-liners he does um so they go once they get free they go find all the women free them um including the recent additions of gracie and margo they all escape through the sewer or so it seems but then there's a mystery date behind door number one chad cruz <laughs> Yeah. And it's funny because they, they, they keep having these these brief chases, you know, they they're being chased through this hallway and then they're they dive into the water and swim through the sewers and there's all these awesome scenes that kind of piece them all together where, you know, the the scene where Gracie's looking for each of her friends when where's Wag? I don't know. Where's Eddie? I don't know. Where's Margot? I don't know. And then she finds where's Jack? And she thinks Jack's dad, of course. And uh, so there's like all these little moments where they all kind of connect on different levels. And then as they're finally trying to escape, they're right outside the door. They, as you say, they, they open this, uh, this kind of double door, the sliding door, and they're standing in their way as Aliong and about 10 other guys with their weapons drawn. Yeah. But they only really saw Jack. So Jack has the others run off. Um, and, uh, they do, or at least most of them make it to Egg Shen's bus. Most of them with the ex- huge exception of old Gracie. Yeah. She doesn't make it. And so now Jack and Wang both have girls trapped inside Lopan's lair. And conveniently for Mr. Lopan, both of those women have green eyes. Now he could live his life. He can have a wife for the rest of time. And still appease the other demon who wants a dead green eyed girl. Right. So, so this is the best possible scenario for oh, David Lopan. It works out so well for him. But but the question remains, Brain, if if you have Miao Yin and Gracie Law, which it's like the fuck Mary Kill. I was gonna say, I you know, <laughs> I almost put that in the notes. Yeah. Or I think I did put it in the notes. This was the was this the first ever yes, you did. fuck Mary Kill in the history of the world. 
Is it, this what started it? It could be. And and the, the question is, which which one? <laughs> but we need a third. We, I guess we need one more so we could have played the game. Well, I guess uh, it would be, would it be Margot? <laughs> well, let's, we all know what's going to happen there. She's dead. <laughs> so the, so for you, it's uh, which one are you are you protecting? Which one are you saving? Oh, you yeah. got two options. Fuck, Mary, kill. Because it seems like Lopan has certainly made his his case. Yeah, he's going to kill poor Gracie. Yes. So which which are you doing? So Mary, he, so then, uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, Gracie Law is pretty hot in this She's movie. She's cute, for sure. And she's a lawyer, so she'd have money, so I could sit here and watch action movies. And yep. Yeah, I'm going to marry Gracie. Uh, I would fuck the uh, Mao Yen and I'd okay. kill, kill poor Margo. Yeah. I'm Somebody, gonna go, her fellow reporter would get a hell of a story out of it. Right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go the opposite. You know, I'm going to, of course I'm going to kill Margo. Uh, <laughs> I'm, poor I'm, Margo. What did she ever do to anybody? But I'm Eddie thinking, wants her bad. I'm thinking from the, if I'm in the same, same situation as Lopan, which one do I keep? Which one do I have to kill? I'm keeping Susie Pie. I'm keeping Miao Yen because I did not know this. That's her name, Susie Pie. That wasn't okay. like a racist thing. <laughs> but she uh, apparently <laughs> was the pet of the month in the 1981 Ooh. issue of Penthouse. Have you tracked those photographs down? Uh, I'm going to probably shoot a message to RTG. He's probably going to shoot it. something. Uh, <laughs> uh, possibly. Okay. All right. Well, now we have another big reveal. Yes. Other than the fact that Susie Pye was in Penthouse. Yep, I'm talking right. about Egg Shen. He's a freaking sorcerer. That's pretty awesome. Well, we that's what that. he did the thing at the beginning. That's true. He did. But we, uh, in if we're going timeline wise, that didn't happen yet. Right. Which, which, if you remember, if I know everyone who's listening to this read my. 10 things you didn't know about big trouble in little China available he, on bulletproofaction.com. Indeed. He, uh, that, that scene that opens the film with him speaking with the, uh, the lawyers and such was added after the fact, uh, because the studios were concerned that people would be confused. If you just opened the movie with Jack Burton driving a semi truck. Mm. Um, so they added that sequence in there to show that, uh, something had happened. This man was involved, and there's some sort of sorcery at hand. That makes sense. That makes sense because, yeah, it does kind of feel like something that was shot after the fact and put on the front. Right, but useful also. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But, you know, honestly, when I saw it, that was something I had forgotten about. And okay. I had seen the movie not too terribly long ago. You should read my article a few more times. I should. I should have read it before I started the movie. <laughs> Um, but I did not. All right. Yeah, so he's got totally, he totally has his own skills and, and he's got his medicines and he gives him this weird ass looking bottle, uh, that, uh, gives him liquid, you call it liquid courage. Yeah. I call it just uh daily hydration. Yeah. And he, yeah, he brings in James Liu and the crew. Yes. Again, James Liu is a good guy in this one, which is nice to see. Um, and so they, you know, cause they they can't just go in, they need as much backup as they can. Um, so yeah, they're going in, they drink the liquid courage, the first pre-workout, uh, right? Maybe so. I mean, <laughs> this is a trendsetter of a movie. Yeah. Um, 
meanwhile, we got this ceremony about to happen because, like we said, Lopan, he's decided he's he's going to just marry both of them, but he has to kill one of them again. So we're going through that. We've been through that. We've been through that. But there's there's a skills demonstration, apparently, yes. as part of this this ceremony. Marvelous. Which is just awesome because you, you have these skilled performers. You may as well uh, showcase that a bit. What, pad, you know, pad the runtime a bit. <laughs> what what makes me angry now is is knowing that uh, back in uh, twenty thirteen, what year did I get married? Twenty thirteen when I got married, I had the opportunity. Almost ten to, years, Chad. You better remember that next year. That's a big you're anniversary. Right. Remind me, will you? I will try. Put it in your calendar. <laughs> uh, Back then when I got married, I had the opportunity to have a similar sequence go down. I could have had all my groomsmen, you know, I could have been sitting at the end of some long hall and they could have showed, demonstrated their abilities with various weapons and electrical abilities. Uh, Electrical abilities. Interesting. You know, the guy, the last guy was like, yeah, I know what you're talking uh, about, but I didn't know your friends had electrical abilities. I don't know if they do. Maybe they do. You have to give them an opportunity to, to, showcase that thing so uh but I, I made the mistake of not doing this and i feel bad for it now <laughs> so okay <laughs> you know they made the mistake of going through the front door the first time and i'm talking about wang and jack but this time they're not going through the front door they're going underground and uh that has its own set of challenges because we've got monsters we've got the black blood of the earth bubbling around them yeah uh, you got that eye monster gimmick that mm-hmm. is like low pants <laughs> Roving eye, what it what it sees, Lopan could see, which is creepy. Um, but yeah, so now they're prepping the brides for marriage. Gracie's going to be sacrificed to Lopan's demon. One more woman, and as I said, he could have played fuck Mary kill. But now Egg Shen has him drink the medicine. We talked about that. But now it's wedding crasher time. Chad. Oh yeah, but, it's time. But, but wait a minute though. They have to actually wait for Lopan to be married because then he will be flesh and blood and then they could kill him. Because, again, if you what could I mean, he ran over, he drove through him. Yes. So like a knife isn't going to stop him in, in his ghostly state. A gun isn't going to stop him. I mean, right. a freaking semi truck did not stop this man. So, right. yeah, so they, they have the- to wait. And they, they make the, the good decision. And you know what's surprising here is there's so much build up to this wedding. There's so many ceremonial costumes and suits and, and, and sword. They light up that it was all that sign with a big. It was, yeah. It was just, the that, set was beautiful. It's gorgeous. And then it's like a four minute ceremony. Yeah. You know what I mean? I bet I bet the mother-in-laws were pissed because yeah. that looks expensive to bring in that giant forearm dude. And then, and then for the ceremony to only be four minutes, I mean, you got to get some good pictures in there. Yeah. Yeah, Lopan should have known better. Well, that just proves what a villain he is. He didn't give two (laughs) shits about what other people wanted. He wanted what he wanted and we want what we want. And it's a huge battle breaks out. Yes. Just swords, magic, magic swords. Everything's going on. And, and of course we, even with all this great shit, you've got James Liu and Al Leong and all these guys fighting in the background. And you're like, Oh my God. You know, every time it, it cuts to a different person fighting, you recognize them and it, it just makes it really cool. Yeah. And Lopan pretty much, I mean, he's vanquished, which I guess, you know, now that he's flesh and blood, it's not that big yeah. of a deal, but uh, I think the death that is most memorable is thunder. 
That's the one I always remember from the movie. Right. Yeah, Rain, uh, Rain gets that uh, that awesome kind of sword battle with uh, with Wang, mm-hmm. where they're just flying through the air and shit. And you're like, yes. what's happening? And you're like, why doesn't Wang do this all the time? Right. Uh, but it's a really cool sword fight, and 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 Thunder gets his moments uh, during the battle. You know, Jack is kind of still screwing around, and at one point he he shoots his his little submachine gun into the air like yeah come on and of course the stones hit him on top of the head and knock him unconscious um so he's a big like he's like a tom and jerry goof um so yeah i mean the sequence is great it's got comedy and 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 all the guys kind of get their moment and they all get their 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 little uh their um, spot their spot yeah they're a bunch of spot monkeys (laughs) yes they are but But it works in a movie yeah and it works in a movie but as you said it it, as it ends with lopan kind of on the run uh with thunder in tow yeah yes thunder just inflates himself to death pop like a freaking pimple yeah it's unfortunate because you know as wang and, and jack chase him down and we get that awesome moment where jack takes out lopan you know with the knife and of course, he utters his line. It's all in the reflexes. Naturally, and when Thunder sees it, he just, uh, yeah, he just blows himself <laughs> up. One of the skills that I didn't know Carter Wong had. <laughs> so then they find the Pork Chop Express. So this is really going to end in a happy fashion, um, and uh, they escape. And Egg Shen, his work is done. He's head, he's going on vacation. Obviously, though, he has to stop and meet his lawyer first. Yes, um, and we and we learn another thing that we didn't know. Oh, do tell us. Nothing or triple. Hmm. Yeah. Nothing so or triple. Wang pays him instead of nothing or double. He pays him nothing or triple. Which, if you remember, it was like a thousand dollars. So yeah. in the end, he got paid three thousand dollars. Hey, anytime you want to pay me three thousand dollars. You've got my PayPal. Uh, uh, what is your PayPal, by the way? Okay. Love is in the air, though, as we wrap this movie up. Eddie and Margot, Wang and my, and uh, is that my Ling. Is that even her Who name? What is that? No, it's Miao Yin. Isn't, who's my Ling? I don't know. You is made she it from uh, Kickboxer? I think it is. Yeah, that's Kickboxer. I see. My brain was just. What does like, Tong Po say? You she, bleed like my Ling. Yeah, she a good fuck. All right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, my apologies to Susie Pie. Um, but this is what happens when I go into mad scientist mode and Susie typing pie. up notes. Uh, but Jack and Gracie kind of tease it, but it doesn't really happen. No, it's it's one of my favorite endings. Maybe this, maybe that's why I love this movie so much because I talk about the movie Streets of Fire and how I love the ending of that and how it's a love story without resulting in without actual, that happily ever after bullcrap. Yes. And she, Margot says. Aren't you going to kiss her goodbye? Jack says, no. And then she <laughs> right? says, see you around, Burton. You never know. And then they just walk out. It's beautiful. Yeah. Was that, yeah. Was it a sequel tease or is that just the, the ending that they wanted? I don't know. I, I, I think that you could have clear, clearly come up with other stories involving these characters, but. Uh, Absolutely. And of course you had that, that monster is hanging on to the pork chop express at the end. Right. That's kind Which of is another little good story. little sequel tease. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. the Slimer bit from uh, yes. the first from first Ghostbusters. Exactly. So, yeah. Yep. So there we go. And credits the Big Trouble in Little China song by the Coupe de Villes. And uh, 
your final thoughts on Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, I mean, I love this film. It's uh, it's a top tenner all time for me. Um, that's probably a surprise to a lot of people. Um, but uh, yeah, there's just so many things I enjoy about it. I, I like all the characters in it. Some great villains, great heroes, uh, super good one-liners. Music's fantastic. It's so unique. It's so different than anything else in 1986. Um, it, it just, I mean, it's name another movie like this. You can't. And, no, and, uh, right. Especially, I mean, maybe maybe some films have been made after this that kind of like did homage to it, but there's nothing like it. And uh, so it's just, you know, Kurt Russell is one of the most underrated action stars of all time. And and to me, this is peak Kurt Russell. He's just so cool in it, even yeah, when he's screwing things up. Right. Yeah, I'm definitely glad we got to cover it. And yeah, I, I remember on our, our uh, Dirty Harry episode that we did, I think at the start I mentioned, you know, Clint Eastwood's like the last guy we really big guy we haven't covered, but I'm sure we're forgetting someone. And absolutely we were forgetting. We, we forgot a lot, but Kurt yeah. Russell was like top of that list. And I'm glad we got to cover this one. You got to echo what she said. I mean, there, this is such a unique movie. There's nothing else like it. I know people would, you know, the talk of remaking it or a sequel to it blows people's minds. They don't like it. I know you will hate it if, yes. if it ever happens when Dwayne Johnson in the Ugh. role. I know that was, but he's, he's had about 9,000 movies that he's been attached to right. the fall guy. If I recall correctly, was <laughs> at one time they were going to do a movie based on the fall guy TV show. That's never happened. Uh, but yeah, big trouble, little China, definitely one. I'm happy to have revisited a lot of it. I forgot, but like you said, there's, there's not a bad character in it. They're all memorable. They're all interesting. You, you want to see more of them. Even the bad guys, you want to see more of them. Yeah. It's a who's who of, you know, Asian stunt actors, which I always love seeing those familiar faces doing right. the thing. And, and again, seeing James Liu in the baby face role. Nice. Not you don't see that too often. So definitely am glad we covered Big Trouble in Little China here on episode number 69 of the Bulletproof podcast. And Chad, we are going to wrap things up right after this. All right, we are back here on the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz, going to wrap things up now. want to remind you all to follow us on social media at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram. And, of course, Chad, we want everybody to visit BulletproofAction.com mm -hmm. as often as humanly possible. I know we're going to be wrapping up our coverage of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, remember I teased Tarzan last time? Well, it's going to happen. There's it's more. going to happen this yep. week, so keep your eyes open for that. And uh, we got a big – oh, me and the Toy Man are bringing the double take back soon. Beautiful. I we haven't it. done a double take in years. We are going to be covering a very special 90s movie, one that Toy Man, of course, was well aware of and has seen 9 million times and that <laughs> I got to finally see for the first time thanks to a wonderful YouTube humanitarian. Who recently uploaded this film that had been previously out of print. How about that? But next time, Chad, right here on the podcast, okay. it's going to be our independence day spectacular and who better to celebrate it with than Chuck 
freaking Norris. It's going to be a big crossover. We're going to have a Chuck Norris post on the site. We're going to have a Chuck Norris podcast, and we are going to be counting down his canon filmography. I love it. I think uh, there's no bigger patriot in, in American history than probably George Washington. But right, Chuck gonna, Norris it, is it, uh, it, is close. He's up there. Okay. So um, definitely the biggest living patriot, perhaps. Yes, we there say. we go. <laughs> and you know I'm what? Excited. It's not just going to be you and me, Chad. We are going to be joined by a very special guest, the author of the Canon Movie Guide, Volume 1 and 2. And my volume two lost Amazon lost my volume two. So oh, a bastard. replacement is on its way, but Austin Trunick is going to be joining us because who better to talk about Chuck and the Canon filmography than the man who has written two amazing books about this. I mean, we're fans of Canon, but this yes. guy has taken his fandom to a whole other level. Yeah. I'm excited to, to hear his takes on some of these Chuck movies. Cause, because you know, that you know, can't Chuck Canon films, there's a bit of a mixed bag there. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to hear his take on a couple of them. Well, I mean, Chuck survived like the divorce. Yes. Chuck yeah. stayed with Cannon after Menachem left. So that's where a lot of differences start happening in, in terms of quality uh, of his films, because he came out swinging and uh, had some amazing films. And we're going to be talking about all of them. There's 10 in t- all. So we're going to count down the Chuck Norris top 10 Cannon movies. Right here on the Bulletproof Podcast. Look for that. Well, it may actually drop on July 4th. You know, I'm in control of when these things drop now, so I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Hell yeah. So we're going to drop that on July 4th, along with on the site, you're going to see uh, the countdown as well. So a big crossover event, as I said. Check it out, bulletproofaction.com, and right here, the Bulletproof Podcast. Anything else, Chad, before we go? Any 69 jokes you thought of while we were were recording or no, I had to get that whole 69 thing out of my mind because I needed to concentrate on the focus kill bit that we did for five minutes. Right. I was distracted by that for a moment, but then I, I returned back to the film at hand. Uh, you know, now just, you know, thanks for listening. If you're still here, thanks for listening. Turn this off and we'll get some work done. (laughs) Yeah. I've got to edit this because we're doing this the night before it's supposed to be out. Booyah. Amazing. I love our fine schedule. All right, guys. <laughs> thank you as always. Thank you for listening. And as always, always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network.